Hi, we've got the latest and greatest from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the first private passenger going to space, a trick for setting goals that you can actually stick to, and myths about running that will bust so that you can run with some peace of mind. Let's satisfy some curiosity. SpaceX has identified the first private passenger to go to space in 2023, and we've got the scoop. I'm surprised you're this excited because it's not you. Oh, I, I actually don't want to go to space. Wait, really? Yeah, I'd be too scared. Oh, I L- do. Like, I'm gradually becoming less scared of the idea, but I still, I, you could die. Like, literally everyone could die. Like, I don't want to start this <laughs> with, like, a downer, but that is always on my mind. <laughs> okay, so it's dangerous, but sometimes the most worthwhile things in life are dangerous. Sure, absolutely. And I'm so happy that there are people who believe that who are going to go to space in my stead. <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs> well, anyway, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk announced Monday that the first private citizen to travel beyond low Earth orbit will be Japanese entrepreneur Yusaku Mizawa. He won't be the first Japanese astronaut to fly into space, but he will make history as being the first to go around the moon. The mission is slated for 2023, but going to space is kind of expensive and complicated, so it might not happen until the late 2020s, if at all. So why him? Mizawa is an e-commerce giant, but he's also an art collector. The plan is to send up a whole team of artists, including a film director, a painter, a musician, and a fashion designer. Their mission? To loop around the moon to gain inspiration from the view below. I can think of worse missions to go on. Maizawa's already launched a website called Hashtag Dear Moon to talk about the mission. On the website, he asks what would have happened if creators like Pablo Picasso or John Lennon had seen the moon and Earth from space. SpaceX promises to get the artists there using the BFR, or Big Falcon Rocket. That's the one that sent a car-driving astronaut mannequin to space earlier this year. According to Elon Musk, the SpaceX moonshot could cost between two and ten billion dollars. So obviously the people who will be paying for a ticket are rich. We'll keep an eye on the growing list and keep you posted when we see new names on the mission list. I think if Pablo Picasso had seen Earth from space, he would have just drawn a square. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, am I wrong? (laughs) But it would have been a really inspired square. Really inspired. (laughs) That's not fair. Picasso is a genius. (laughs) All right, listener, think about if you've ever set a goal for yourself that sounded like this. I'm going to try to eat better. How'd that go for you? Chances are it didn't go super well, and there's a reason for that. Fortunately, we've got a trick for setting better goals and sticking to them. Do you ever set vague goals like this, Ashley? I really try to keep my goals specific. Like, really try to. That's good. I need to do a better job of this, and this is really helpful. That was a pretty vague goal that you just laid out. Try to do a better job. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) I will try to do a better job of this once a week. (laughs) How's that? You're getting there. All right. (laughs) This trick comes from the legal world. You know in TV shows and movies when police officers arrest someone and recite the whole, you have the right to remain silent deal? Those are your Miranda rights. They're named after a trial in the 60s when a man named Ernesto Miranda was arrested and a messy trial turned into a Supreme Court case, Miranda v. Arizona. Miranda won the case, and that's when it became mandatory for police officers to recite the Miranda rights to a person they're arresting. This gets rid of any ambiguity in the law, and it establishes very clear boundaries about what can and cannot be used in court. And in a legal context, that's called a bright line rule. It's defined as an objective rule that resolves a legal issue in a straightforward, predictable manner. 
and you can use a bright line rule to set goals you can stick to. Remember the I'm going to try to eat better goal? Well, what does better mean? Not exactly very specific. Now how about I'm going to eat two servings of vegetables every day? Or I'm only going to eat ice cream once a week? It's the difference between a hope and a plan. Author and behavior psychology blogger James Clear says these rules give you a new identity. You're not even making decisions anymore. This is the new you. Brightline rules also leave you with less decision fatigue. Without bright lines, you have to decide whether a situation fits your standards every time you're in line for ice cream, for example. Once you get tiny day-to-day -day decisions out of your head, you're giving yourself the motivation to tackle bigger issues. So it's pretty great all around. Today's episode is sponsored by Vistaprint. It's important to feel professional, polished, and prepared when it counts, which is right now. For small business owners or people who produce their own podcasts, hint, hint, that's us, being plugged in and prepared when an opportunity comes up is crucial. Those moments happen all the time. In fact, they're happening now. And having a business card in your pocket ready to hand out that shows how professional you are, that's the first step towards making something happen. Your next big opportunity is on its way, and all it takes to tackle it head-on is $10. That's a low price to have the confidence that you're always ready to make an impression or get seen in a new way. A custom card with the colors, fonts, designs, and images you choose means you can look and feel like a big deal, whether you're a startup or a business with a century of history. And it doesn't have to be hard. With Vistaprint, you can create a truly professional, unique card in minutes. Vistaprint wants you to do something great for your business right now, which is why our listeners will get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. Use code CURIOUS at vistaprint.com. That's code CURIOUS at vistaprint.com. Curious at Vistaprint.com. Starting an exercise routine can be intimidating. And it turns out that applies even to running. I mean, you'd think that running's just about putting on shoes and going out your door, but there's all sorts of stuff that everybody tells you about how you should and shouldn't run and what you should and shouldn't buy. It's kind of a lot. So how much do you really need to know, Ashley? You're a two-time Boston Marathon runner, so you probably kind of know what you're doing. Well, honestly, from everything that I know... Do what feels the best. I think that's I think that's the end of it. Like I, I think that's the that's the big rule to follow. If it feels unnatural, don't do it. I sure hope science backs this up. Well, let's find out. Today we're gonna look at the actual science of running and bust three myths that might be stopping you from enjoying it. First, let's look at the myth that you must take small, quick steps. Like I said, in reality, if it feels good, keep doing it. Simple as that. That's based on the results of a study from last year by a pair of running experts and BYU professors. They were looking into what's called overstriding. That's when your foot reaches too far in front of your body and supposedly increases the shock when it hits the ground, which could raise your risk of injury. But the study showed that your body naturally adapts to a healthy stride rate that works for you. As for the part of the myth about taking quick steps, that comes from running coach Jack Daniels. He made some comments about runners at the 1984 Olympics that suggested that you should run at a certain stride rate or cadence, but his observations were taken out of context. Not to mention, he was talking about Olympians who are not your average runner. Here's myth number two. You must strike the ground with the front of your foot. Nope. A few studies have shown that people who strike with their heel first are more at risk of injury, but a recent paper published in the Journal of Sport and Health Science found that changing your strike pattern doesn't help. Again, the way you run naturally is the best way for you. The third and final myth is that you should buy shoes that match your pronation style. This is my favorite myth to debunk because I feel like not everyone knows this. The idea is that everybody's feet land slightly differently and you need to wear shoes to match your particular style. 
But a 2011 study found that giving pronators stability shoes and neutral runners neutral shoes can actually increase their risk of injury. I'll say that again. Giving you shoes that match your pronation style could increase your risk of injury. It's like this bothers you or something. It really does. Danish researchers confirmed in another study that the shoes least likely to cause injury were the most comfortable ones. Once again, listen to your body. It's smarter than you think. So buy comfortable shoes and run the way you run. Exactly. Your body knows what it's doing. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. You can also find links to listen to our daily shows and our email newsletter. If you're not a subscriber, then you should go to Curiosity.com email to sign up. We promise our emails are awesome. And of course, you can opt out anytime. One more time, that's Curiosity.com email. Join us again tomorrow for the Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.